Hello and welcome to Nine Inch Charge. The Old World Show is back. I know it's been a while, but think of this as the second edition. We've got lots of um, upcoming content planned. I'm recording with Tom tomorrow to chat about one of the articles and the Old World in general, and I'm hoping to get Sean, a subscriber, on to talk about his various armies. Today we have Jeremy with us, a very good friend of mine and longtime Dark Elf player, and we're going to talk about the latest Warhammer community article where they announced square bases. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you very much. It's good to be on the show. So just to quote the article, it says here, we've kept a very close eye on the responses on social media. All manner of theories have been presented about the setting and the game set within it. And while some are pre-naturally insightful, some are as far off as a drunken snotling attempting to bullseye a hog pound <laughs> with, a, with a catapult launch puffball. So Jeremy is someone who has definitely so far been spot on about this where I have not been. So I thought he'd, I'd bring him on the show today just to say, I told you so. Um, I, I did tell you so. <laughs> so <laughs> why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself, Jeremy, uh, where you started in the hobby and kind of where you are now with everything uh, Warhammer yeah. Fantasy Battles. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Dan. Um, yes, I think I started probably getting into Warhammer about 2000, 2001. It was probably about... 13 at the time and just about the early early east release of sick fed edition so back when ravaging hordes was still a thing um pretty much just had like empire and um orcs and goblins out at the time um yeah and it was kind of like something that you me and a couple of our school friends really sort of got into and sort of like so i guess kind of like a sort of like one of our key hobbies uh when we we're teenagers i think it's probably fair to say um like I said, I had like a massive Dark Elf army, which I've never quite finished painting. But, you know, I have aspirations, which I think is important in the hobby. It's uh, the true sign of a hobbyist that you have an unpainted model in your collection. Exactly. Um, and in, in my case, it's actually now a shelf of just unpainted models. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I get, yeah, kind of got into uh, Warhammer from about 6th edition onwards. and kind of played it uh, pretty much through until the end of 8th edition um, and then as the end time sort of rolled in I, I guess started to probably as fair to say move away from the hobby um, and um, sort of um, left games workshop behind I guess it would be fair to say as a major sigma rolled in but no it was a big part of my life obviously it's something that like we, like we and our friends did at were at school it's also something that I did with my brother as we were growing up it's sort of painting playing collecting together so it wasn't just a hobby it's something that i guess i got a huge amount of like nostalgia and like an emotional connection with and so this new announcement today like pretty much confirming that the game is coming back more or less as it was before you know with square base and all the rest of it i'm sure we get onto this more in a minute was like a, definitely a moment for dancing up and down and enjoy because it's <laughs> like that return to that game that i knew and loved I just I was thinking about us playing when we were teenagers the other day and I was remembering that your parents in their living room had a, a like a rug that was exactly six by four. Yeah, that's right. And then I used to think that when you were judging charge distances when we were playing on the rug, like it had a symmetrical pattern and yeah, I'd think, right, so we'd start twenty-four inches away and it's twelve inches to the middle of the pattern, and then I try and like mark my movement across it and then <laughs> just remembering all those things and then also the harrowing memories of being annihilated by your cold one nights it's, it's funny looking back on this now because a honest to god i hadn't measured that carpet so honestly i had no idea how long it was but so it's funny that you thought that and, honestly, and my memory actually of playing games is more being destroyed as my troops 
attempted to get across the board and generally didn't make it into combat because obviously Wood Owl's a little bit good at shooting, Dark Owl's not so good with the armor. Um, but yeah, but it's funny how it's funny how we remember it. Um, but yeah, and also just um, the joy of um, playing against Sixth Edition Wood Owls, which were kind of felt like a 40k army had gone on a holiday gone camping in some woods <laughs> and forgotten ever to leave and forgotten what game system we were meant to be playing as good as they were you're not the only person who said that to me <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i'm pleased you still got your army i'm pleased that it's it's out on the shelf um i don't know if you remember but when the end times happened and age of sigma was announced there was someone who had a dark elf army that burned it <laughs> So, I'm I just that was insane. Yours. No, I was never. I was. I was. I was a little bit angry and a bit, a little bit emotionally distraught. But I wasn't gonna go that far. I was going well, to be the stubborn dwarf that was going to continue to play to get the old rules, no matter what. <laughs> well, it looks like you're in luck, Jeremy, because it looks like from this new article, Games Workshop are trying to get you back. Uh, they're going after the old rank and flank style fantasy um, game. So looking out, looking out for players like yourself. Um, Ninth Age players and Kings of War, which I think makes sense looking looking back at the things that I was thinking that I wanted to see from the game. They don't want me, well, they do want me to buy this game, but they don't, they're after someone like you, I think, more than, they've already got my money, so. I think that's fair. And it's one of those things that I've been really interested about, what I'm thinking through is how does Games Workshop um, bring back in players like me while making this a financially viable product for them. And I, that's kind of, I guess, the way I've, I've kind of approached all of this is it's not what I want to see, but how Games Workshop can fundamentally make cash off me because it is a product, it's a range, they need to make money and profit from it. So that's kind of a lot of what my thinking is. I wonder how 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 they can best do that. Um, just got kind of sort of on my thoughts about it. I think by just by being the best miniatures creating company in the world if you if you look at the newer stuff that they've been they've been releasing um an example would be the the new vampire range like the way they've updated that and the way the models are and some of the motions that, that's carried in it i think if you look back to your shelf and look at your metal harpies and imagine what they do with those now you know that it would be i think it would be quite a pull for people who, who invested in in their old armies I like I like how we automatically go to some possibly one of the worst models that Games Workshop ever <laughs> produced as a comparison, but but the point is valid still. Absolutely, I think yeah, Games Workshop's model range has just come along in so many leaps and bounds. Um, but it's funny actually you mentioned vampires because um, that new model range and because I'm a bit um, out of date with um, Age of Sigmar, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but. So many of the models, like the zombies, the new skeletons, the bats, the wolves, all that sort of thing. I looked at them and thought, are you already preparing your Age of Sigma range to, to some extent to be backwards compatible? Because most of those models could work in a uh, Warhammer um, old world gaming system because they're, they're, they're the same classic units that we know from the past, just updated. And if you strap them onto square bases, they would work pretty much as is. So I, I'm really interested to see actually as Games Watch starts to release more models for Age of Sigma, whether it kind of makes them compatible so that they can just be flipped off and flipped off. That's a terrible expression to use. And we we won't, we won't remember that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see whether they start to release stuff with round and square bases. Um, There's also uh, a bit of a psychological pull there, not just a physical pull, because the models, then the names of them, you know, they are. When we went to Age of Sigmar, 
elves became elves and orcs become orcs and things like this and dwarves became dwardian but you know you've got a model this is a vampire lord so mm. i think there's something there that is that might you know inflame the imagination a bit more and make you think of the old world just in terms of like the names of the units as well as the aesthetic yeah absolutely and again from games Workshop's point of view if you can make a model which appeals to both aos players and um older players from warhammer fantasy battles or, or the old world then that that opens up your market and that you know you can you can sell more models at the end of the day all right shall we go through the article mm, let's do that okay so the first thing straight away which is something i was wrong about and you were right about so prepare yourself for, for your catchphrase for today <laughs> uh is square bases so definitely square warhammer the old world is a reinvention of the classic rank and flank um, game from Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Regiments moved in ranked up units and strategic maneuvering into position to launch or receive critical charges will be a key part of the game as it ever was. So yeah, definitely music to my ears. I mean, I'm happy to admit that some models do look nice on round bases, but I still want them together in some way. So yeah. <laughs> For me, what I thought about this was you know, and I was someone who exploited this quite a lot, is the movement was very clunky, I felt, in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And I always had a great eagle or two spare to put, you know, one inch away. And then a big, like, block of unit men couldn't go within an inch without charging. And then they'd have to move back. And then they'd have to wheel. And they'd have to go around. Or if they then went into the eagle, it was going to flee. You know, and things like that, I felt like we need to try and get away from and try and make the game a bit smoother. because, Or just stop people taking eagles i suppose <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i know exactly where you're coming from because i used to try and use my dark elves in exactly the same way generally not quite as successfully as you did um if i'm being brutally honest with myself and also you know the aforementioned ugly ass harpies um so I, I think i think there is definitely something there if we're talking about like how we want to see the rules change i think the movement phase was an absolute cow and i think you want a game system where actually you can interact with terrain and make it part of the game not just try and avoid it like the plague because it's just mm. going to literally cause all your models to fall off the bases and you know and everything just to sort of snare up like you don't know you're in a you're in a muddy field in the first world war and just can't do anything so <laughs> i think yeah absolutely we need that hopefully there will be a simple easier to use system of movement and it is obviously harder with with a square basis i don't quite know what they're going to do um but i hope that is going to be forefront in their um in their minds as, as they develop the game yeah i'd like as, as you said i'd like to see a bit of a tweak to it um it's cool to see it come back when when they announced it although it wasn't something i was necessarily expecting i thought oh right cool you know i you know i definitely want to work with that you know i love playing eighth editions seventh edition sixth edition i love um, I love playing all those editions of, of the game and rank and flank when it when they announced it I did actually think do you know what actually that is something that there is something about that that I do miss so that will be cool to see there's nothing quite like getting like a really good like flank charge or rear charge on the mm. opponent yeah hopefully they make it feel rewarding and you know more difficult to do yeah for sure for sure um, the next is the scale of the game. So there, apparently there are rumours going around it's going to be 10 mil or 15 mil. 
And the response is, what? No, what madness is that? It will remain the same as it ever was. We want people to be able to use their old armies if they wish, or start new ones, or to add miniatures to old armies, whatever they want. And I thought that was, A, really reassuring, because, to be honest, if I wanted to play a 10 middle game, uh, there's something called Warmaster that I could play. Um, and it's never, although there's nothing wrong with that game, it's never really a scale that particularly appeals um, to me. Um, so that was really reassuring. Also, it's really nice to have an acknowledgement of games which are saying, hey, like you said, old players, come back to us. You can use your old models. So yeah, it, it's that's it was incredibly smart move for, for Games Watch to come out and like publicly state that. So yeah, good on them. I think this is something, in my opinion, that's targeted towards Mantic uh, because Kings of War, to be honest, is a really good rule set and it's mm. it's a good rank and flank game. Um, it's solid, but the model range from Mantic is uh, poor, I think, to mm. say the least, in a lot in a lot of areas. Some of the models are good, but they're just a really mixed bag, and often they are subpar, in my opinion. Um, and people end up buying Games Workshop models to play Kings of War. So I think this is Games Workshop saying, you know, look, we're going to make a game, and you can use the armies that you've still been you've still been using in your other rank and flank games to play play our game. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I don't know if you saw that Mantic did a really good, um, so cheeky um, Facebook ad where they said, like rank and file and square bases, why wait two years? Play our game now. <laughs> I was like, yes. Give that. Give give your social media manager a pay rise because that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they are quite good at stuff like that. Um, part of me does think that their business model is piggybacked off of people who who like Games Workshop, and I don't think that's necessarily the best way to run your business, but that was funny. <laughs> it was really good. So yeah, I'm quite pleased with that. I'm quite relieved by that, um, because I've got a load of Glade Guard that don't exist in the game anymore, and I've still got I've got 20 5th edition um, Waywatchers that I want to use as well. 20? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, my word. <laughs> I use them as Shadow Warriors in my Age of Sigmar um, army, and I think I don't think I even had 20 of the old metal ones when I was like at my height in Warhammer Fantasy, but I just decided I wanted them. So I scoured eBay to add some extra to my collection. And now I've got, now I've got 20. That is a formidable amount of troops there. (laughs) And I will go and buy more bolt throwers because (laughs) that's my default response to that. (laughs) Just mow them down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, next up is rules uh, totally new or 8th edition so it says both we've played every single edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battles over the years and like every player we have our favourite bits from each Uh, Warhammer the Old World will gather up all our favourite mechanics from 3rd edition to 8th edition and add new elements when needed to create something deeply familiar yet fresh and new yeah, so what are what would your ideal rules set be then? I'm I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we've only really played from like sixth to eighth, so I don't we don't know probably fourth and fifth as well. But um, but yeah, what were you, what were your thoughts? Um, I don't want well. I know what I don't want more than I know that what I do want. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, ditto. <laughs> so as much as I've enjoyed all of the editions, I didn't like the push towards horde units in eighth edition. Agreed. Yeah. It felt like a bit of a cash grab, to be honest. Like, just buy more models if you want them to work. Um, and I didn't like how powerful spells were in 8th edition as well. Um, I can remember I played a game against Tom where 
I set up, this is when I had my lizard men and I set all, mm-hmm. up all my lizard men and I had all my temple. I never didn't have any skinks because I just liked the, like the big dinosaurs. So mm-hmm. I had my, I had my temple guard and then I had my Saurus warriors Two, I think I had two hordes of Saurus warriors, a unit temple guard with a slan in. And then I think he purple sunned across the whole of the army <laughs> in turn one, take an initiative test or die. And then I was like, right, do I just shake hands now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's a weird one because in many ways I think the horde rule and uh, the overpoweredness of magic kind of worked hand in hand. So, yeah, like like you said, I didn't like the horde rule because a it felt like a cash grab. B, it's not much fun painting loads and loads of the same model. Like like painting twenty models is fine. Painting forty plus models that's a drag. And so I think that probably did alienate a certain amount of people um, from it. But also. It made it more expensive to enter the game, yeah. And also, it made armies quite formulaic. And I think maybe that's probably the worst criticism you could level at it. Really, is that you started to always know what if you were facing a particular army, what combination it'd have. They go, oh, they're going to have a horde, you know, a horde of witch elves with a cauldron, because of course they are. And you ended up with sort of hordes, sort of facilitated death stars which had always been a thing but it made it far more common and far more universal and that made games predictable a bit samey um and then the only counter to that was then to you know irresistibly cast you know the most powerful spell in the law to try and then take it out so you had to do it in order to try and give yourself a chance um so i think if you remove hordes that becomes less of a need um it also reduces the entry level of it and makes the game cheaper and easier to get into, which I think would be a good thing as well. I kind of suspect that GW will try and make the model, the amount of models you need lower. I don't have any evidence for that. I just think it's probably makes good, good business sense to try and do that. Um, um, and I think hopefully the removal of will help. Um, I did kind of like the OP of magic a bit. I kind of, in many ways, although I'm a Dark Elf player, there's definitely a little bit of the scaven in me that I, I kind of like just to go, go, go sod it, let's we'll find out what happens. And so I did kind of like having these massive spells where just it could go off in your stupid face and that was fine. Um, but yeah, I like, I like, I think I'd like to see a certain amount of like chaotic randomness in the game, whether that's like you run into a forest and you don't know if it's going to like come alive and eat you or just make you stupid, all that sort of stuff. But again, mm. having that sort of randomness, whether that's in spells or terrain, I think would be quite cool to keep. I'm really surprised to hear that you want stupidity to come back. Not on my nights. <laughs> <laughs> my wonderful dark elf nights that were always stupid at the worst time. <laughs> but yeah. I like the fact that like, I think one of the cool things about um, the Warhammer world is that it is, because it's steeped in magic, it is utterly unpredictable. And like you don't know whether like a lamppost is suddenly going to come alive and try and strangle you or, or, or give you a hug. You just don't know. And so I like the idea that terrain can be slightly unknowing and you don't know what's going to happen to it. Which again yeah. is why I kind of want movement to be fun because you can actually interact with this stuff as well. The only other thing that I think I wouldn't want to see is, I think it was 6th edition. Now, I may well be wrong on this, but there was an edition that we played where if you if you went, obviously, if you went first, like if you charged or something and you wiped out the first rank, then the opponent couldn't attack back. Mm. And I feel like playing Age of Sigmar, especially in this new edition, it's very interactive and you can be disruptive in your opponent's turn. And I feel like Warhammer Fantasy Battles, 
especially with that combat mechanic, was very much like, okay, go and go and make a cup of tea because your opponent's <laughs> going to like go and do their turn now. Especially if you play against me. Um, so I'd like to see a bit more interaction, even if it is just, you know, you're able to strike back um, and not have just your front ranks obliterated and then, you know, by chariot charge or something like that and then not be able to attack back. Or you know, I want you to be able to feel part of it almost equally in, in each player's turn. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so I've been playing a bit of X-Wing and one of the nice things about it is that you don't just do all of your turn and the opponents is that you alternate between you know the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the the ship with the highest um the highest um pilot skill goes and then the next one the next one the next one so you can al almost alternate and i quite like the fact that it's never more than a couple of minutes before you you know you get to do your thing or react to it so yeah mm -hmm. absolutely i think something where yeah like you said you don't you know they start to learn a foreign language while someone else is doing their turn will be quite a nice <laughs> thing um and yeah, there's it's a weird one about like you know the wiping out uh, of the front rank. Um, I I don't and I don't quite know where I, where I stand with it. On the one hand, I quite like steadfast. On the other hand, it did kind of make combat a bit of a slog, and it was harder to get that devastating charge to you know to like turn an enemy and make them flee. Um, and it also comes back into like the mechanic of like cavalry versus infantry and i think when we were like playing sixth and seventh like cavalry was just amazing like it would just steamroll over because it mm. right out the front rank and there was nothing you could do and then you had to flee obviously in eighth eds cavalry kind of got nerfed i don't think games workshop has quite found the sweet spot yet between like cavalry and infantry and like how do you like make mm. a really like a spear spearman block like like really anti-cav but still make cav be able to like deliver that devastating charge against the right kind of opponent um so i think there's something there i don't quite know what the rule mechanic should be but i think there's, there's definitely some it could be improved i think for certain for me i think it was always that if you charge you you get to strike first and mm -hmm. then cavalry always got their charge because he had massive mm -hmm. movement yeah. and they could they could pick their charges and that's kind of where it came from for me uh, I don't know if they move to an initiative-based system if it would help because if I play you, you'll just have cavalry with amazing initiative. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird thing though because um they because initiative didn't really matter in sixth and seventh edition because it was all about the charge. Like so, you combat never lasted a turn two. So if you were elves with like initiative ten or whatever, who cares? Because if you're not there after turn one it's a useless stat to have and that's one of the things that i did like about eighth edition is that initiative finally meant something in the same way that strength really meant mm. something so yeah i think just before we move on to the next one going back to what you said about the rules there's been a shift in games workshop recently where in age of stigma and in 40k the core rules are available for free mm. And I think that really helps barrier to entry. And also, I can't wait to read read what they do with them. Hopefully, it's not like so thick. I mean, ultimately, I think the core book became a reference, really, um, than something you could read and take in. And I just kind of learned the updated rules as I went along and learned through playing rather than sitting down and reading all of it, I think. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully they give them away for free as well. And also they've been giving away, there's a shift away from this now, but they're giving, when you buy your models, it will come with sort of basic stats in the book mm -hmm. or sorry, in the box. So the rules are free. You buy your models, the stats are in there and you can start to move them around and start to play 
a basic game. Yeah, I mean that's it's really, it was a really smart decision for Games Workshop. Just like get people into the shop, get them to go home, build, it, and then immediately start playing, and not realize they've got to go back to the store then to pick up the rule book or whatever else. So yeah, anything to get people like hooked quickly is yeah, is smart. I mean, I, if we're talking about rules, then I I do wonder how they're going to like bring back in. Um, all the other armies as quickly as possible. And I kind of assumed they were going to do sort of a Ravaging Horde style thing where they have one book that has basically the stats for mm. pretty much every single army so that you can pretty much pick up and play from day one. And that way you sort of bring back all the old players, regardless of whether they collected Orcs and Goblins or Ogre Kingdoms or Tomb Kings or whatever it's going to be. Um, and then probably later on, they sort of go to town with like a fancy book with lots of fluff and the background and context and painting guides. And that's oh, kind I, of a scene they do it. I really want a fancy book. If you look, so because this game is being um, made by Forge World, if you look at the Horus Heresy, they've got leather bound tomes, Jeremy, and the, I, they just look, they look gorgeous. I'd really want a leather bound tome. You said Forge World. Do we know that for certain? Yeah. Oh. So I'm it. hoping it's still plastic and not resin. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a main studio game. It, it's a, it's being made by Forge World. You know, I think it's going to be a spin-off like 30K is from 40K. It's going to be mm. kind of a... It's not really an Age of Sigmar spin-off, really. It's a reimagining, isn't it? I don't want to call it. Because Age of Sigmar is the spin-off, if anything. Or a sequel? Maybe a sequel, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what's the next one we got? Uh, faction, orcs or oryx? The boys was called orcs in the old world, so that's what they's called. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a nice phonetic uh, <laughs> cover of that. Oh, we need Dan on, don't we? We need Dan yeah, absolutely. On to, do, to do the voice for stuff like that. But um, I think that's good. No one, no one knows or cares what a dwarden is. Everybody who plays Age of Sigmar still says elves instead of elf or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's um, it it, it it it. I guess the interesting question then is um, like, what do they do with the old range? Do they like just like re-release it all as is? I'm assuming they wouldn't. Or do they start to bring out like reinvent the entire range again? So does that mean that we have a uh, uh, like an Age of Sigmar orc range and a fantasy orc range? So yeah, who knows. I would I'd quite like to see them go down the route of looking at things that we didn't necessarily see before. So if you look at the setting where the timeline is, it's set before the before the great war against chaos. And during that war is when Teclas came over to the Empire and was like, right, we'll better teach the humans how to start using magic because otherwise we're gonna lose this war. So you you'll have some sort of, I imagine, like not quite a battle mage and things like that. And that's what I want to see explored is you'll have your usual tropes, but you might get a different unit type or something like that is what I'm hopeful for, just to explore the narrative a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And also to explore the microcosms more of the old world. So previously you would just have the empire, but you would never spend much time looking at the units from like a particular city mm. in the empire or a particular city in Britonia. And obviously it was more than just the heraldry and the colours on the flag state that to like, see if they've got particular units or particular army lists and to have that sort of uh individualization or uh, or personalization on styles, yeah yeah that, i think that i think that there's, there's definitely room for games Watch to expand into te like, like land it hasn't looked at before um, and that will make it fresher and more exciting for the old mm. tired jaded people like myself <laughs> um yeah 
I think that can be a little bit of a double-edged sword. They have to get it just right because, like you said before, where you, people were creating Death Stars and they had the same kind of army every time, what can happen if you do that is that there is, within your sort of various sub-factions, there might be one build that's just much better and mm. you won't get people necessarily go towards the narrative. You'll get them go towards those certain builds, which is something that we see um, in Age of Sigmar. Um, yeah, balance the age-old problem of a war game. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's all the age-old problem is always why is the brand new thing not balanced? <laughs> <laughs> there might be um, commercial reasons for that. <laughs> and um, and the other one is why are Pegasus Knights just so damn good? <laughs> <laughs> because nothing else in the Bretonia army is anymore. <laughs> That's not true. Trebuchet. Okay, apart from that. <laughs> okay, so setting. What about the world's ending? So keen-eyed observers will have gleaned by now that Warhammer the Old World is going to be set several hundred years before the end times. So there's plenty of space to explore the history of the setting. Um, especially knowledgeable students may also note that this puts us just before another calamitous chaos invasion and one which, while central to the story of the Empire and the entire Old World, was barely touched on in previous iterations. So we've kind of just sort of touched on that already. Um, I don't have too much more to say, really, than it's a great little space because it really does give free reign. Um, the Wood Elves are doing a bit. They're fighting a ball against the Beastmen. The, um, the Empire, not the Empire, Bretonians are fighting a war against the Orcs. Um, Empire are just recovering from a war against the von Karsteins. Um, but there isn't anything massively world-changing going on, really. It's, you know, it's business of usual, in a sense, um, which I think just gives them lots of space to to put in their own things that they, that they want to do, I suppose. They don't have to follow a particular narrative. It's not written in a, in a time where, you know, you're going to do the War of the Beard, for example. You've got you've got more space, but I would like to see the narrative progress, and I wonder if we will see something like you'll start off. You might see something to do with Nuln or something, and then you'll see the rise of Magnus the Pious, and then you'll see the Empire kind of forging alliances and eventually fighting chaos. I don't know if we'll see a campaign like that, but I quite like to see it go to go somewhere from where it starts. Mm. I know that's one of the things that um, Age of Sigmar has done quite well, isn't it? They have progressed the storyline along. Um... And I could, yeah, I could definitely see the appeal of doing that. Um, yeah, it, there's, want... there's so much stuff written. Like, you know, I was just talking about the War of the Beard, but we would always read our army books and we'd go through the law and we, you know, we'd read about the same battle every every time a new book came out. Um, but they, but they were like, they were just part of the faction, and there was never anything that we did going looking back, and never anything we did looking forward in the in the whole of. Um, Warhammer fantasy battles, except for like the old sort of Albion campaign and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there was, given... there was there was a White Dwarf issue once, but the fact that I that I say the word once kind of like highlights your point. Where they did release like a War the Beard army list for like uh, High Elves and Dwarfs, but like that was the only time anything like that really happened. Um, but that was cool, you know, to you know to get jump back in the past and see how those armies used to fight and, and fight in the past compared to how they do in the present. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was very static, I think it's fair to say. Mm. So, yeah, more, I guess we want to see the law push forward a bit more. 
All right, that's the whole of the article there, Jeremy. But I thought what we would do next, just for a bit of fun, is that someone has put some rumors up on Reddit. And, you know, if the rumors are going to be true, they're going to be on Reddit. But equally, if the rumors <laughs> are going to be absolute nonsense, they're also going to be on Reddit. I, th I see we're keeping our options open here, <laughs> just in case we look back at the future and go, oh, no. <laughs> so these are the wildcard ones. Um, Excellent. So the first one is the old world will be in multiple languages and the plan is for Games Workshop to take a slice of the market they no longer cater for. So the multiple languages is interesting because not all of the books um, get get other languages. Um, I wonder if that's true, if they're going to do anything with Black Library as well because they do sort of German releases and things like that. So I think what that says to me is that the rumour is that they're planning it to be you know, a worldwide release sort of from day one. Yeah, and that makes sense because obviously, to a certain extent, Games Workshop are piggyback, piggybacking off the success of uh, the Total War game series, which obviously you know has a global market, um, and therefore you want to make it obviously fully accessible to people throughout the world as well. Yeah. Um, the next one was Square Bases, no adapters, uh, which which we've just seen confirmed already. Interesting idea that you might get adapters because there are companies that sell. Um, adapters from square to round mm. and i was thinking about i think it's um song of fire and ice a miniature game series where they're on circular bases but then you fit them onto a larger rectangular base and i i did initially think that games workshop might try and do something like that so that's one of those rumors on reddit where i thought eh, maybe even though games Workshop said yeah they can be on square bases doesn't mean you couldn't necessarily accommodate adapters so i don't know I'm, I'm still like keeping an open mind about that one because i think maybe there's a game which a little bit of wiggle room there in the way they framed it uh the next one is lots of books and games set in an unexplored time period so i think we've already said that we don't think we'll see lots of books straight away but it'll be nice if they get to a point where there are lots of books yeah, absolutely. This is so. I'm a, I'm a bit more. Um, you're going to roll your eyes at this. A bit more cynical about these rumors because I think that's kind of like a no kidding. Like you don't need to be yeah. a genius to work that one out. Like <laughs> Games Watch are going to release lots of books because they want to make money. Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> but I guess lots of books means lots of ranges as well. It does. It does. So that's a good point as well. What have we got next? Oh, so this one is a bit more is a bit more interesting, and I'll roll these two into into one. So, game was scheduled to be released alongside Total War, but current things have pushed back the release until two thousand and twenty two, and the starter box is going to be Demon Demons versus Kislev, which is the the setting of the new Total War game. So is that rumor implying that sorry that uh, Total War is going to be twenty twenty two or that the Games Workshop is going to deliver in twenty twenty two? The get the Games Workshop game will be dropped in twenty twenty two. That kind of makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Really, because actually, I'm not a computer game coder, but I'm imagining that developing a whole range of models, printing, producing on the older, producing on sprues, etc., is going to take a bit longer than producing a computer game. Um, so that's not entirely surprising, is it? Um, I think, yeah, because they are piggybacking you know, off, off a computer game, it makes complete sense that you would hero the two ranges that are taking the limelight for the game as well. Um, and also, we haven't seen Kislev really beyond like a very limited range and as being a bit of like an add-on to the Empire. So again, it goes back to what you were saying about exploring bits of the old world that we haven't really looked at before. Mm. And so having a whole Kislev range would 
be exciting or be new it'll it'll attract uh people who've already got ranges and think oh maybe i can you know adopt uh, play this new game instead uh this new faction instead so yeah it makes sense yeah especially if you've already got people invested in that faction from the game that are perhaps looking to get into something a bit more social than sitting on your own <laughs> so i'm just i'm just cynical about you know i get it that computer games are massive but i'd much rather drink a beer with someone and roll some dice and shake hands and be there in person i suppose absolutely um the other thing that i was going to say about that was uh, i don't know if you've seen the other the other articles on the warhammer community website but the the warhammer design studio from games workshop worked kind of hand in hand with the computer game studio to to design the the units and things like that so that that tells me that you know surely the the models that we'll see will reflect what we see in the game if the design team is working alongside them yeah absolutely i i, I it, it's such a smart idea um and it's like a great collaboration and it, it goes back to that interesting thing that when like warhammer total war kicked off and became really big like you were you said that you could play with these factions like bretonians and team kings when they've just literally been de decommissioned so it was always a very odd odd thing to have happened so it makes complete sense that games watch for like join the dots down gone hang on we can do something with this oh i just remember jeremy that you bought a load of start collecting bretonia boxes before they went didn't you i did yeah i i, I had a pretty good idea that the Bretoni range was not going to survive, so I um I brought about five starter sets worth of them <laughs> sitting on my shelf. So that that that's my pension there. <laughs> uh, but I do um want to um I do want to actually um um start to put them together because I think one of the things if you want to go back about one of the things that I missed about the old world it was that slightly more grounded down to earth like low low fantasy setting and obviously you know Bretonian peasants roaring around in the mud chewing corn you can't get more low fantasy <laughs> than that so yeah <laughs> I tell you what is funny thinking about Bretonians if you go back and you watch um Monty Python's The Holy Grail <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I did recently. It's quite there's quite funny parallels there. Um, there's a there's a bit in the Bretonian law where um, one of the Bretonian, um, I think it, one of the Bretonian dukes goes mad and he he claims he's already got the Grail and everyone goes there and it's like <laughs> I've told them we've already got one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'd really like to see some peasants, which are uh, we were going off on a tangent now, which are like like doubting the what, what why a why a king should um claim the land because he was given a um given a sword by a woman in the lake and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> hmm. well, Socialist that... anarchist peasants, that's what I want a unit of. There you go, that'll be new. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Games Workshop. <laughs> I think that takes us to the end there. Thank you very much for joining us, Jeremy. It's been a great pleasure chatting to you um, about the game that we used to play together. And I think the first time we've had a hobby experience where we've not argued. Oh, there's still time. But no, in all seriousness, <laughs> it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, so thank you for inviting me on. Um, that's great. So Jeremy is going to come back and talk about Dark Elf units uh, for another episode in the future. So watch the space. It'd be great to have him back on and talk about all the times where he just steamrolled me with um, being outnumbered by a fear-causing cavalry unit, causing my whole army to break and flee off the table. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you very much for watching, everybody. Um, this has been Nine Inch Charge. Make sure you uh, give this video a like if you enjoyed it, and make sure to subscribe if you would like to see more content like this in the future. Take care, everyone.